You're listening to the Sunday morning service from Harvest Bible Church. We hope you enjoy this message from our guest speaker. To learn more about us, please visit harvestbibleonline.org. I want to start off by saying um, I'm not the pastor of this church, which... 99% of you know, but I have to make the disclaimer in case it's someone's first time, they might leave and be like, dude, I went to this church this weekend. Like they have this 14 year old pastor there. Um, It's crazy. And I would have to defend myself. I'd say, come on guys. I look at least 17 these days. Um, Where I'm married. So, you know, I'm at least 18. Uh, (laughs) Um, As I mentioned before, uh, Pastor Mark, Pastor Pam couldn't be here this morning, so it is my privilege to share with you from my heart this morning. And I hope you came with an expectation, Um, because regardless of who is behind the pulpit, when God wants to speak, God will speak. Amen? Um, And he'll use anyone to do it. Um, He used a donkey one time, so I figure I'm probably good. Um, And I want to thank you for being here. I believe that coming to church is an expectation in itself. Um, There's a lot of places you could be this morning. There's playoff football this morning. Now, you might think to yourself, like, it's no sacrifice. That's no big deal. Um, But we used to do school and ministry on Sundays during that time. And I would like to watch, but I would do school and ministry instead. And I was like, oh, this is a sacrifice I'm making. Then I was like, come on, it's not a sacrifice. And I felt the Lord speak to me and say, if it means something to you, then it means something to me. How many of you know that sacrifice is relative? What means something to you doesn't mean something to me, right? So I could stand up here and say, church, I am making a sacrifice today. I am not having any mustard for the rest of my life. It's a sacrifice I'm making. Some of you guys are laughing because you know my hatred for mustard. So if I were to say I'm giving that up, it doesn't mean much, right? So sacrifice is relative. So I want to thank you for being here because there's a lot of places you could be and there's a lot of things you could be doing this morning. But I hope you came with an expectation. Uh, So a little about me, Uh, my wife, Samantha, and I are the youth ministers here. Um, My wife is six months pregnant and the baby is, oh yeah, we could cheer. Right on. Yeah, and he is kicking her butt today. So she's at home. Uh, she's watching online. Hi, Mantha, uh, if you're watching. Um, but I believe that we have been giving, uh, given this incredible calling to reach an important demographic of people, the youth. We have been blessed with a calling to pour into the lives of the next generation. Uh, it's a calling that we don't take lightly. Uh, I believe that youth ministry is not a stepping stone for something that's bigger and better. Youth ministry is its own calling that God has placed you. It's important. I heard it said one time that the greatest mission field that there is is youth because that's the next generation coming. So you could call me a missionary if you want. Um, I also have to make this disclaimer. Sorry, I got to make a few. Um, I usually preach at night on Wednesday. So with that being said, if at any point I say tonight... Um, just give me some grace. Uh, pretend that I said this morning, okay? And just nod your head and be like, yes, tonight. He means this morning, but tonight, amen. Um, I want to share quickly too. Um, we just came back from our second annual winter retreat um, just this past weekend. One woo, thank you, Abby. Um, anyways, we just came back and I can officially call it our annual one because we went on two. And um, 
the way that God has moved in both of these, um, there'll definitely be a third. Uh, there'll be more to come. Just like we expected and just like we prayed for, we saw an incredible move of God. And before I share anything else, I want to testify of what God did this weekend. So let's pull up my other page of notes here. These are from kids. Um, I I put this post on Instagram to share your story um, because I believe that your story is powerful. So let me share a couple of these. I'm just going to read them verbatim. Um, So they're going to sound like teenagers wrote them. Um, Just so you know, I didn't write these. Winter retreat was really cool. That's how you know. It says, uh, winter retreat was really cool for me because it was a way to be immersed in the spirit and for us to find common ground, that being our calling. Amen. Come on, somebody. Since we were all together, we were able to fuel each other's fire. And I really enjoyed that. Next one. I'm going to share four with you guys. You guys got to hear it. Winter retreat was great. Had an amazing time stepping away from everything and spending time with God and got a breath of fresh air and fire for my life. I enjoyed the time spent seeking God with everyone a lot. This one's got a little backstory, okay? Um, In VBS, a woman came up to me during a time when we were trying to listen to God. She held my hands and started praying and speaking in tongues. She then opened her eyes and looked at me and said something like, you were made to tell others about God. And was telling me that my calling was to preach the word to people. At winter uh, winter camp, while we were listening to God, I kept getting the verse Matthew 9, 38, uh, right? Which the harvest is great. Uh, workers are few, pray for the Lord to send harvest, uh, workers into the harvesting fields. It says, I felt that God was telling me that my calling was telling others and being a harvester. It blew my mind and now gives me hope about knowing my calling. Amen to that. Last one. So the person who wrote this last one, their name is, just kidding. I wasn't going to say their names. Just want to see how nervous they would get. <laughs> this is what it says. For the past couple months, doubt of God came through my head to the point where I wasn't sure if I was saved or not. I prayed. I even spoke in tongues. But the fact that I couldn't hear God also got me to question my faith. I now know that it wasn't that he wasn't speaking, but it was that I wasn't listening. At the retreat, my eyes opened. I realized that I let myself stray away from God by falling into sin again and again. The devil began planting those seeds of doubt. After the retreat, I felt a lot better. I am saved. Whenever I fall into doubt, I remind myself that that is the enemy. I have control over my mind. With God as my shepherd, I will no longer go astray. The enemy does not control me, and I will not let it get in my mind. Amen. Isn't that powerful? Well, I wanted to open that way because what I want to share about with you this morning is the power of your story. So let's pray before we get into the word. Father, we thank you for this morning. And God, I just believe that everyone who is here is here because you wanted them to be here. So God, I just pray right now, Father, that you would speak to us. And God, that in this time of studying and learning more about you, God, that you would help us to receive whatever it is that you want us to receive this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
Well, if you have your Bibles, let's open them up to John 1. And if you don't have your Bibles, we're going to look at the big Bibles on the screen. Um, John 1, verse 7 through 8. I'm not going to say it. Uh, This is what it says. It says, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. This morning, I am not the light. I'm simply a witness to tell you about it. I believe that your story or your testimony, you could call it, is one of the greatest tools that you have to reach lost people. And don't get me wrong, I love um, apologetics which is like a reasoned argument or proofs in favor for God. And I believe that there's great physical evidence that our universe was created by the God of the Bible. But no one can refute your story. No one can make a reasoned argument about the light that you yourself have witnessed. Salvation comes through faith, not knowledge. Let's look at Ephesians 2.8. And, and tell me if I'm, if I'm reading this right, okay? I want to make sure that I, I got this right. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through knowledge. And, did I get that wrong? Let me try again. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourself. It is a gift of God. So we know that salvation does not come through knowledge, but it comes through through faith. And something that I believe is, I I don't know if God will ever allow himself to be 100% proven to be real. I don't know if he will while we're here. Because if he did, we would have a generation of Christians with no faith rise up in the church. There would be no need for faith. They would have knowledge. They wouldn't have to believe that God is real. They could just say, oh, well, it's already proven. I know God is real. But that wouldn't be true salvation, would it? They would come to know Jesus through knowledge instead of through faith. And does salvation come through faith or knowledge? Through faith. Salvation comes through faith, not through knowledge. Amen? One of my spiritual fathers and um, my spiritual mentor who's gone on to be with the Lord, he used to tell me this. His name's Donnie Moore. He said, behind every face, there's a story. Behind every face, there's a story. And your story is powerful no matter where you've came from. No matter what you've been through, your story is powerful. So I mostly grew up in church, right? And I was a church kid who was forced to go to church camp. Um, So I think it's a great thing when kids don't want to go and their parents make them. I say, praise God, that's incredible. You're going to have such a great time and you just don't believe it yet. Uh, But take my word for it. Um, And so I was forced to go to church church camp, no matter how hard I fought. Um, I remember the first camp I had to go to, um, it was basically like my mom said, you're going, um, you can either pack or I'm going to pack for you and you're not going to like what I pack you. So <laughs> packed myself. And uh, usually at that, the end of that week of camp, there's this time where you share testimony. Right, so we want to talk and we want to share and we want to share what did God do in your life this week, and we want to testify. That's a great thing. Um, so someone would would go up, and and there's this kind of weird jealousy that would happen with church kids. 
Okay, some of you have been to church camp, maybe you know what I'm talking about. But we would hear this incredible story, right, of how God brought someone through addiction, through depression, and, and just brought them through all this trouble. And we almost had this thought, us church kids, okay, we were kids. I said, man, I wish that was my story. My story's so boring. Ah, oh, wish I had addictions and depression. We would say that. We didn't know better. So someone, someone would go up and, and talk about and testify how God set them free from alcohol addiction, from drug addiction. And a good friend of mine, uh, we would always say, you know, the only thing we were addicted to were Mountain Dew and Skittles. That was the, the only thing. Neither of us have been set free from it today. Um, but I want to encourage you. If your testimony is that your parents feared the Lord, took you to church, and you never left, and you're still here today, that your story is just as powerful as any story out there. And you don't know who needs to hear that story. You know, we think, oh, these, these powerful stories where people have been, set, been through so much, that'll reach everybody, but maybe someone needs to hear, wow, maybe God can just be my comfort and just sustain me. That could be the story that somebody needs to hear. I believe this, but... I believe that there's nothing more than the devil would love to do than to steal your story. What does he come to do again? To steal, kill, and destroy. You know what? He wants to steal something very valuable you have in reaching other people. He wants to steal your story because your story is powerful. He'll plant thoughts in your mind. Do you really think people would look at you the same if they knew what you've done? I mean, some sin is okay, but if you tell them you struggled with that, ooh, that's not going to go over too well. Even the devil knows how powerful your story is. And I believe that my purpose this morning is to help believers take their story back from him. And I know there are some people in this room who have experienced a lot of pain in your story so far. Let me tell you something. God is not the author of that pain, but God is the one who finds purpose in that pain. God did not author that pain in your life, but God is the one who is going to find purpose in that pain for his glory. Amen. Genesis 50, 20 says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. And even though the enemy has intended a lot of harm in your story so far, I believe that God still has a plan that he's working for his good. Amen. Amen. I believe today that God wants to turn your wounds into scars. What's the difference? A wound is open. A wound can be reopened. It can close a little bit and then it's back open again and it still hurts. And a scar is just a scar. It just looks cool. Um, it's just a mark, right? A scar means that it's healed, but you can still see what happened. And some of us start to think, oh, I want my wounds not to turn into scars. I don't want people to know what I've been through. I want them to just go away. But God doesn't want your, your wounds to turn into nothing. He wants your wounds to turn into scars. Reason being is because your scars are a part of your story. Your story needs to include everything. 
You have to include it all. The good, the bad, the beautiful, the ugly, the moments of great faith that you had and the moments of great doubt. And as we start to close, which means nothing to a preacher, um, so don't get too excited. Um, But I want to talk about a disciple who's bad, who's ugly, and whose moment of great doubt was included in the Bible. So let's first set the scene. So Jesus has died for our sin, and he's risen exactly like he said he would do. Shocker, right? No. So Jesus did exactly what he said he would do. And this is what we read according to John's gospel. We see that Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb. She sees that the tomb is rolled away. So she rushes to some of the disciples because she she believes at first that Jesus' body has been stolen. And when they arrive, they they, they realize like, wait, isn't this kind of like exactly what Jesus said he was going to do? Like, oh yeah, you know what? He probably did it. And they believed without seeing him. And that's important to know. And they believed, of course the stone is rolled away. Of course the tomb is empty. And in that moment, the disciples believed. But Mary was still under the impression that Jesus' body had been taken. So Jesus reveals himself to her in his redeemed body. The gospel of John actually describes that, that Mary didn't even recognize him at first. Because his body was redeemed, it was perfect, he was risen. Then Jesus appears to the disciples who already believed. But then we see one disciple who wasn't there and who didn't believe. Doubting Thomas. You know, and and here's the thing. I've always referred to him as Doubting Thomas and I've always heard that. But do you know what's interesting? If you read the words in red... The ones that Jesus said, he's never referred to as Doubting Thomas. Jesus didn't give him the label Doubting Thomas. We did. Leave it to Christians to label someone by their worst moment. And I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the person to the left or right of you. (laughs) But look. Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't label us by our weakest moments? And so since Jesus never called him Doubting Thomas, if that's all right with you, church, I'm just going to call him Thomas. So let's talk about Thomas. But Thomas doubted, right? That's scriptural. And he said that he would not believe until he saw the holes in his hands and on his side until he physically put his hand inside them. I'm reading that and I'm like, that's too far, Thomas. Just, I mean, seeing them is one thing, but you're taking it to a whole nother level. And so suddenly Jesus appears to Thomas, just like he did to the other disciples, so that he would believe. And Jesus goes on to say, blessed are you who believe, but blessed are those who, who don't see and still believe. But there's something important about this story that I notice. Jesus is in his redeemed body, right? He's risen from the grave. But what do we see on his hands? What do we see on his side? What can we presume are on his feet? His scars. And I'm reading and I'm like, wait a second, why would Jesus have holes in his hands and and on his side and on his feet if he's in his perfect redeemed body? Why does he have scars? It's 
because your scars are not a mark of your defeat. Your scars are a testimony of your victory. That just means because if you have scars that the weapons that were formed against you did not prosper and that you may have been hurt, you may have changed, and it may have intended to harm you, but God has taken what was intended to harm you and he has intended it for good. Your scars are a part of your story. And your scars are beautiful. And I believe that no matter where you are in your story, God is intending it for good. And I'm really going to start to close this time as Ms. Sue, as you would come. Um, So here's the thing. Even if it's impossible to see right now, I believe that God is intending your story for good. Now, it wouldn't make much sense for me to say it's so important for all of you guys to share your story because it's powerful and then for me not to share mine. So here's part of my story. I want to share the moment that the devil took my story and I want to share with you the moment that I took it back. I want to share a story of a conversation I had with my dad Uh, This was early January 2016, and I'm driving with my dad, and I believe he had to pick up his his car, so I'm taking him to the shop, and I'm I'm listening to this song. It's my jam at the time. It's called, Oh, Come to the Altar, Elevation Worship. It goes something like, Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide, forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus. Man, that song is so good. My dad is driving with me and he hears the song and I've had it on repeat for weeks and I don't even realize the words anymore. And he, he turns to me and he asks me, he said, what do I have to do to be born again? He said, I wanna be saved. And this is a moment I had been believing God for, I'd been waiting for. My God, I believe you're going to use me to do this. And I wish I could say I pulled the car over right in that moment and shared the gospel with him and led him in a prayer of salvation. But that's not my story. I was frustrated by something that I can't remember. Annoyed by things I, I can't even recall. So I shrugged it off. I said, come on, dad, you, you know, you're saved. And I didn't know it then, but it would be the last meaningful conversation I ever had with him. Days later, he would end up in the hospital for alcohol poisoning, something he had been in there for before. So in our minds, it's no big deal. Drop him off, come back in a few days, good as new but it was worse this time. He would never end up leaving that hospital. He would eventually go into organ failure. And six years ago, on this day, actually, January 16th, 2016, he passed. And that was the full story that I shared for a long time. I let the devil convince me for over a year to be ashamed of my full story. 
So this is my full story. A few days before that conversation, we noticed that the alcohol and the drinking was getting bad. And so I was sent to go take him to the hospital. So I drove into Lodi where he lived. I go to his house and I'm like, come on. Everyone says you got to go to the hospital. And here I am again, frustrated and annoyed at something that I don't even remember. And he said, no, I don't want to go. And so I just, I didn't take him. But the truth is, the main reason he didn't go to the hospital is because I didn't want to drive back to Stockton. That's my story. And my thought was always this, that the devil always convinced me, just, you know, he would have been here if you would have just taken him that day. Oh, just imagine if you would have just, if you would have just drove 20 minutes, you'd still have your dad. That's your fault. You better not tell anybody about that. Oh, I can't believe you missed that opportunity to share the gospel with your dad. Oh, you have no idea. You don't even know where he is today. If you can't share it with your dad, you'll never share the gospel with anybody. And I can't go back and change any of those things. I can't change my story. But what I can do is stand here today and tell you that those scars that I have are not a mark of my defeat, but they're a testimony of my victory. Because the weapon that the enemy formed against me to stop me in my tracks right there, to end my life in ministry, was not prosperous. And the fact that I'm here today is a sign of my victory. And, and I told the devil, I said, I'm actually going to share the gospel with, any, with, with anybody and everybody who will listen even more now. And I want to encourage you. You never know when you would be someone's last line of defense. I'd always heard that growing up. You know, like, make sure you don't miss an opportunity. And I'm like, that's not real. And it happened. Your story is powerful. And God wants to use your story to reach people. And some of you need to take your story back this morning. I don't know if someone in here has a a situation like me where you have a full story. And the enemy has tried to convince you to keep most of it private. He's tried to use fear to keep you bound, to say, do you have any idea what people would think of you if you share that? But come on, the church needs to become a place where sinners are welcome. If the church ever becomes a place where sinners aren't welcome, then I'll have to be the first one to leave. I struggle, I have sin. Don't we all? Do we have to pretend like everything's okay all the time? It's okay to be real. If someone asks you how you are, you don't always have to say, oh, I'm good, I'm so blessed. You can tell them, I don't know. I haven't thought about it yet. I don't know how I'm doing. Probably not good. And I always give this opportunity because of that time I had with my dad where I missed that moment to lead him to the Lord. I always give this call. All across this room, if you would please bow your heads and close your eyes. And if this moment isn't for you, I just ask that you do that out of respect for the people who are around you. If there's anybody in this room 
who's not 100% sure that if Jesus were to come back in this moment, if you don't know what would happen to you, and if you want to change that and give your life to Jesus this morning, with no one looking around, would you slip up a hand just so that I can pray with you? I see one. That's okay, I'll wait. I see two. If you need to raise your hand for this, this isn't for me to see. This isn't even for God to see because he already knows this is for you to be honest with yourself. If you need to pray that, I see three. Thank you. I see four. I see five. Six. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, you guys can all put your hands down. Thank you. So we're going to pray. And I always ask this, but if you know you're saved, then I'm going to ask that you pray this with me anyways, because we don't want some believers who may be praying this for the first time or a rededication to have to pray this and enter the family of God alone. Let me read a scripture. Romans 10, 9 through 10. It says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that made you right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. And for those of you who raised your hand, and maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you still need to rededicate your life to Jesus. I'm going to help you with the words to confess, but I can't believe in your heart for you. So if you're praying this and you need to give your life to Jesus, you need to believe in your heart. I can't do that for you. And you can't go to heaven on anyone else's faith. So would you pray this not just as a quiet prayer to yourself, but the Bible says to openly declare this. Church, would you pray this out loud with me, believing in your heart? Father God, I believe that you sent your son, Jesus, to die and raise from the dead for me. Jesus, forgive me of all my sin and cleanse me of all unrighteousness and help me to forgive those who have sinned against me. Jesus, come into my heart. Challenge me. Change me. And make me the person you want me to be. My life is yours today. Never to be taken back. Everyone look at me real quick, real quick, real quick. I believe with everything in me that if you prayed that prayer and you believed it in your heart and you confessed it with your mouth, that if Jesus were to come back for his church in this moment, that he'd come back for you too. Amen. And that's something to rejoice and celebrate about. So we had some people who gave their life to Jesus this morning. And if that was you, we prayed that as believing in our hearts and with a confession of our mouths, but now it's time to live for Jesus with a confession of your life. Get plugged in somewhere. Talk to somebody. See what the next steps are. With that being said,
um, we dismiss a little different in youth, so I think we'll try it in here. Prayer team, if you would come. And I want to just offer this moment to you. If you need to pray with somebody about anything you heard today, or if, if you were one of those people who needed to take your story back, a great step could be sharing your story with one of the people up here as a sign to take your story back. But if this moment isn't for you, I would ask that you stand up quietly and be dismissed. Um, But if you need to pray and if you need somebody to pray for you, please don't leave if you need somebody. We'll be here. We'll be waiting to pray with you. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. If you need prayer, please come forward. If not, you guys are dismissed. Have an amazing Sunday, and I will see you guys on Wednesday night.